Nope. He was there. Standing in the middle of the square. They were all around him. The place flooded with people. And they all seemed to have fun. All of them. Well, maybe not everyone was raving happy. There were also some of them sitting on the curb, or the benches, and they looked tired. But they were probably tired of having fun, right? It was only their physical body that got tired. Their spirits must have been, without a shadow of a doubt, at least uplifted. Why not, after all? This was a party, right? It was late night, too, Bobby Jenkins thought. Not just any party, a college party. We're all having fun, yeah. College years are the best years of your life. We are having the time of our lives right here, damn it. He had, by far, the coldest look among all the faces of the party. Perhaps the coldest look in town. His eyelids looked as if they were glued with cement. They never, ever blinked. He didn't feel the need to, for some reason. While he did feel the soreness, the dry desert up there, it didn't really bother him. His palms were sweaty. He closed them into a fist. He felt how slippery they were. His eyes fixed on a couple that was making out on a bench in front of him. He knew the name of the girl. She was Dolores Jane something. He had been assigned to do a demographic project with her. Professor McGee had created some type of lottery to randomly pair all the students in there. Bobby was paired with Dolores. However, she went up to the teacher after the lecture and practically begged him to put her with her boyfriend, the one she broke up with right after he worked his ass off for her. At least that's what Bobby had guessed. Then Professor McGee paired him with a kid that never showed up to campus, and Bobby did all the work himself. Now, there was Dolores, practically riding this other guy on the bench, flexing her ass against the whole party while sucking on this guy's neck. Her blonde straight hair fell like curtains and glittered on the square's projector. On the other side of the square, beyond the wall of people, was the DJ, who was no more than a guy who supervised the playlist, really. He didn't tweak any knobs, Bobby thought. He didn't scratch. He just stood above the laptop, dancing. At least he wasn't getting paid for it. Oh, there was Jimmy with the other guys. Devin, Nikki, Reggie, and Chris. They had formed a circle, drinking from plastic cups, 
and they were sharing jokes or having fun at someone from the looks of it. Yeah, there was Jimmy with that vile, crooked smile of his. The one that, at first, seems friendly and nice and warm, coming along with kind words and inviting jokes like he wants to be your buddy. Well, until you find out he's been making fun of how much you stink and how you're wearing fake Nikes when he's not around, that is. People like Jimmy cannot possibly understand that the financial status of your dad does not represent you, even in the slightest bit. The quote DJ, meaning the playlist, changed from trap to techno in an instant, and everyone went wild. Even though the party was out in the open, the smell of smoke was intense. Bobby noticed that more than 70% of them were smoking, whether it was plain good old cigarettes or weed. He was pretty positive that some of them had been taking other things too, meaning pills. He was not into that. He never was. Or at least he never had the right company for that kind of thing. No one has ever offered him anything. Ah, now that he remembered, Jamie had offered him a hit while he was smoking pot at the parking lot of a convenience store. Jamie wasn't really a friend. More like a person who waved him hello once a day during high school. He was a kind person, though. Bobby happened to pass by the convenience store and saw him at the parking lot with a cigarette poked in his mouth. It was quite a long one, Bobby thought. He approached Jamie to shake his hand, and Jamie offered him a hit. Bobby refused out of courtesy. Well, Jamie's offer must have been out of courtesy, too. Well, who cares now? he thought. He had his chance, and he didn't try it. He guessed it was alright, missing out on the experience of drugs. He hadn't drawn any suspicion coming to an open party like that, wearing a giant overcoat in the middle of June. Well, no one noticed him anyway. Who gives a shit? Look at these people. Do they look like they even can give a shit? No, Mom, they don't. They absolutely don't. They're having way too much fun right now. They can't afford to notice every little detail, every stain on the curb, and every fly. And this is college, after all. The best years of their lives. They're focusing on having fun now, because it's all downhill from here. Well, it doesn't have to be that way, right? Let's not lower our standards, Mom. It's sad to back off after living on the edge. Let's keep living on the edge and risk falling, right? Yeah, that's it. Bobby Jenkins opened his coat, and inside was a vest full of C4 explosive bricks. There was a perfectly crazed look on his face. 
eyes opened so wide, his eyelids couldn't be found, as the white had taken over. An insane grin formed by his dry lips, and then he reached for the button that would detonate the whole thing and turn the square into a crater and the rest of the campus into a wasteland decorated by bones and perhaps some overcooked flesh, too. Living on the edge, right? Time to slip. He finally closed his eyes. He turned his mind off and hit the button with his thumb. There was a blank moment. Then he noticed that the techno had not been replaced with an explosion. There were still people blabbering around him. He opened his eyes and saw the party carrying on. The bomb did not go off. The detonator. It had jammed. He pressed it again. Nothing. The party went on, and he stood in the middle of the crowd, and no one seemed to notice his vest bomb in the black of night. Bobby Jenkins went back to his dorm that night. He realized he'd forgot to plug the red tube of the detonator to the vest. He had some thoughts. Fourteen years later, he got married and had two beautiful children. Well, not everyone thought they actually were beautiful, but he did. He raised them with his wife, Mia, a bibliophile, in an apartment downtown, and they passed their summers and some weekends in a lake cabin they bought next to a tiny rural town. He worked as an engineer for a rather large company for 35 years. Bobby died in his sleep to a heart attack at his lake house, two weeks after he reached 85 years of age, leaving Mia a widow until she passed on too, three years later. At the time, Mia was not suffering from arthritis all by herself. Both John and Susan, her kids, visited almost daily and helped her with the house chores. On weekends, they brought along Mia's cute grandchildren, who roamed the house like crazy all day, tiring their grandmother in the most delightful fashion. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. If you want to learn more about the author of this story, just check the show notes and you'll find all the necessary links. If I haven't earned it already, I hope this is the week you choose to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Until next time, everybody, this is Dan David, reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.